If you've experienced the trauma of your parents' divorce or your family falling apart, I have a question for you. How have you dealt with it? How have you dealt with it? In other words, what have you done in response to the trauma itself and the pain and the problems it's brought into your life? My guest today endured her parents' divorce, her mom's alcoholism, her dad's absence, and even her stepmom's abuse. So what was her response? She tried to outrun her trauma through busyness, through accomplishments and perfectionism, and it worked for a while, but eventually it caught up with her. Now, thankfully, she went from repressing her emotions and saying, I'm fine, to saying, I need help. She then began to seek healing, which we dive into in this episode. We also discuss how she feared and doubted her ability to be a good wife and mother because she never saw that growing up. How she felt like she grew up faster than her peers from intact families, making it difficult to relate to them. We discuss situations where anxiety or depression drugs are necessary in situations where they're used inappropriately. We talk about how authentic love is healing and why she's even grateful for all the challenges she's endured. And she even has a really beautiful message to her parents. Keep listening. Welcome to the Restored Podcast, helping you heal and grow from the trauma of your parents' divorce, separation, or broken marriage, so you can feel whole again and break the cycle. I'm your host, Joey Ponarelli. This is episode 94. If you found this podcast helpful in navigating the pain and the problems from your parents' divorce and even finding healing, I'm thrilled to announce that we have a new resource that's going to help you even more. We'll be releasing two video courses. The first is all about trauma. It's titled Broken to Whole tactics to heal from your parents' divorce or broken marriage, and it answers what is trauma? How does trauma in general, but also the trauma of your parents' divorce or a dysfunctional family affect you? Begin to the science, even the neurobiology of it. It's fascinating stuff. What can you do to heal from it so you can avoid repeating that cycle in your own life? And so much more. The course is actually taught by a trauma therapist with over 15 years of experience helping people to heal from trauma. And the second course is all about how to confidently help someone from a divorce or broken family. It answers questions like, what struggles do children of divorce and dysfunction face? What should you say, not say, do, and not do in order to help them? How do you start those difficult conversations? What if they seem fine? And there's some special tips for parents and so much more. And that course is actually taught by me. The content is based on a lot of research, but also a restored article that ranks top three on Google when someone searches a term like, how do I help a friend who's going through their parents' divorce? And that receives over 3,000 views each month. So more details coming soon, especially that title of the second course and the official launch date. So stay tuned for that. And if you'd like to join the waitlist to get notified first and be given a special advance access, just go to Restored Ministry dot com slash courses again restored ministry ministry singular dot com slash courses or just click the link in the show notes and by doing that you also get a bonus on building healthy relationships and a strong marriage as a child of divorce who also experienced a traumatic step-parent situation alana spent much of her young adult life striving for perfection and success in all areas of life Throughout her healing process, she earned a degree in secondary education from Penn State University and married the love of her life, Nick, during their junior year of college. They currently live near Pittsburgh, PA, where Alana works as a youth minister and outreach coordinator at her parish. Alana and Nick are expecting their first baby soon and cannot be more excited to be parents. 
Now, a quick disclaimer, Alana is a Catholic Christian, so we talk a little about God and faith. If you don't believe in God, this episode is still for you. I'm so glad that you're here. I know you're going to relate a lot with Alana's story. Even if you were to skip or take out the God parts, you're still going to benefit from this episode. So my challenge to you is just listen with an open mind. Also, Alana and I are obviously not doctors or psychologists or psychiatrists, so our discussion about taking drugs for anxiety or depression is not meant in any way to tell you what to do for your specific situation. So with that, let's dive in. Alana, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for doing this. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I read your story on our blog, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so if you could check that out as well. And uh, I knew that you know we need to have you on the show, so it's great to have you. And so diving right in, uh, how old were you when your parents separated and divorced? So I was about either five or six, uh, some point during kindergarten. And then I just remember things in my life kind of changing quickly after that. But honestly, when it comes to like the divorce itself, I don't really remember much. I remember being pulled into like my guidance counselor's office and then reading me this like divorcing dinosaurs book. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And then ouch! little did I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've never I've never heard of the divorced dinosaur book. Uh, do you have any memory of what that's like? I'm curious. So my the guidance counselor's office was like totally groovy, like lava lamps everywhere, like beads, tapestries. So I just remember being mesmerized by that, and then being sit down with this like divorcing dinosaurs book, and the kids' parents I think are going through a divorce, and it's like a children's book that, you know, is used to help convey the idea of divorce to kids. Honestly, I just remember being distracted by the lava lamp. But then afterwards, I was like, oh, why was I pulled out of class individually, like for that? And just kind of being like confused, like, why was this book being read to me? Yeah, no, it's it's a sad scene for sure. And I think a lot of times, the, you know, the people who put resources like that together have good intentions, but it can totally miss the mark, you know, in a way, what I've seen with a lot of those resources, they like try to normalize this divorce and try to make it seem like it's this, oh, it's just like a different phase of your family. It's like, no, actually your family is like breaking apart and, it, and in some ways it's like dying. And so trying to make a child like understand it, like you'd make them understand how food grows or how, you know, where your grandma and grandpa live, like things like that. It, it's not not that easy. Yeah, I feel like that was definitely a big intention of like the authors of the book. And yeah, definitely looking back on that and reflecting on it. I remember being little and having like therapists or counselors say, you know, this is okay. This isn't your fault. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But like, why is it happening? And why does it hurt so much? Just like you said, I feel like, especially in today's culture, divorce or just like relationship issues in general are very normalized when really, when you look at it, it's like, that's not how life and how relationships were meant to be. Mm, yeah, so true. And I, I love the way you said that. I might be adding a few words here, but it's like, if it isn't a big deal, why does it hurt so much? Mm -hmm. And so as much as you're comfortable sharing, yeah, take us deeper into that. Like what happens um, in your family? Yeah, so at some point, I want to say either during kindergarten or the summer after, um, we spent... Yeah, I think that summer after kindergarten, my mom and my younger brother and I, his name's Brendan, he's three years younger than me. We lived in our family friend's like den, 
Um, and then shortly after that, we got our own townhouse a few minutes away from uh, where we had all lived previously. And then at that point, I think we would like see our dad like two nights a week and then every other weekend. And that was kind of the case for like most of my childhood up through like high school. Things were like okay after they had split. Prior to them splitting, all I really remember was just arguing a lot about I don't even know what. I have one vivid memory of, I can't remember which parent, but one of them like grabbed me, ran to the bathroom, locked the door while the other one's like pounding on the door. Hmm. So kind of scary. Yeah. Throughout childhood, uh, they just kind of stayed separated. And I do kind of have to pat my parents on the back here a little bit in terms of after the divorce, the way the two of them interacted with each other for the most part when we were around was very respectable um like they were civil with each other and i feel like they did for the most part prioritize my and like my brother's needs which was great that um, is good. I f- yeah i feel like a lot of that started to change though when my dad remarried so he started dating this other lady uh when i was in fifth or sixth grade um and then they married when i was in seventh grade And at first, my stepmom, you know, she was like, fun, taking me on shopping trips, getting my nails done. And then turns out that was kind of a big cover for her being abusive. So she she has her own slew of traumas from her own parents and mental disorders and a very stressful job. And with her not taking care of that, she kind of like projected all of that onto my dad and me and my brother. She would like prevent him from him coming to see us when we'd go to their house on the weekend. She would like always have my dad be doing chores that like didn't really need to be done just to avoid him spending time with us. Even when I was like an older teenager, she wouldn't let me use anything in the kitchen. Like wasn't allowed to cook, wasn't allowed to like really eat anything other than cereal. And just that like, the entire period of time that she was in my life, I felt like I was walking on eggshells and like in my own feeble little teenage voice, I'm trying to voice this to my dad. Cause I'm one trying to like convince myself that, Oh, this is normal. She's just a bit of an odd duck. And she has been through a lot and try to like convince myself that what she's doing is okay when it was not. So I feel like with that, I kind of internalized a lot of confusion, frustration, hurt, pain. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's like my dad's being taken away from me. And with that, around that time as well, my mom's dad had passed away. And my mom had always kind of had issues with drinking. But I feel like that her dad's death really exacerbated that. And she's been struggling with alcoholism. I mean, pretty much ever since the divorce, but especially since then. So with that, as a young teenager in like middle school, I remember distinctly remembering, and I went to like Catholic school my whole life. And I really think it's because of that, that now I can say like, my faith is one of the biggest like influences and most important things in my life. Mm -hmm. But I remember just having this like unshaking belief that this is for a purpose and that all these things that I'm going through like there's a reason for it. Like it's either making me stronger or it's going to help me with something in the future. I didn't know what, but I really think it was by the grace of God that he gave me that confidence despite, you know, being in such a hard time. 
So that kind of continued all throughout high school, all that stuff with my stepmom. And then my mom started dating someone else, I think my freshman or sophomore year of high school. Um, And he's a nice gentleman. He's very fine. But still throughout high school, I was very involved academically. Um, I was the captain of like the academic bowl and STEM team and on a travel field hockey team and like peer ministry. And I was the girl that like did all the things. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) But looking back on that, like since now that I'm almost finishing college, I realized that, oh, I kind of used all of those things to hide anything I was feeling like, oh, if I'm busy, then I don't have to like interact with my family or I don't Mm -hmm. have to like dwell on these emotions because I'm just go, go, go all the time. And then I don't have time to like sit with my feelings. And I feel like honestly, my whole childhood up until I came to college, my emotions were just completely repressed. And I feel like I let my identity be what I did. I think also, so my brother, when he was younger, he had a lot more needs. And because he was two, when they got divorced, he needed a lot more attention emotionally and stuff. So I feel like just overall, I was very independent, kind of left to my own devices. And that just kind of went through my entire childhood and young adulthood. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, no, there's so much there. And thanks for just your openness. And before we dive into, I have a few comments, but before we dive into further things too, I just want to say how impressed I am by you. Like I know a little bit about you and everyone will learn more about you in this interview, but it's beautiful to see, given what you've described of what you've been through, of what your parents have struggled with and the ways in which you were, you know, just traumatized by the separation and the divorce and how, you know, you suffered through the abuse and just the other things that you dealt with in addition to all of that. And you are where you are today. That's impressive. And so I just want you to, just to know that. And I think that's so hopeful too for other people who maybe young people who are in the midst of it right now. And they think like, I feel like I can never get through this or never move on in life. And uh, it's beautiful to see that that you're doing that. So, uh, so well done. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, you said about kind of busyness that relates um, to me a lot. Maybe that's just my personality type, but I, you know, try to pack my schedule and just like, I love, yeah, just being productive and doing all that. And like, you know, in high school too, and even college for me, it was like sports and trying to accomplish different things and do well there. And, and I, like you said, I think there's something you know good about it, but of course um, it can be a coping mechanism. And it certainly was for me kind of just hiding from my pain and not wanting to face it. And I've heard people use the analogy when it comes to like repressed emotions, like you mentioned that all that grief that we kind of are like running from, it's almost like a swimmer in the water with like, imagine a woman swimming in water with really long hair. And it's almost like that hair is like dragging behind her for this analogy. And um, it won't, that that like long, yucky, like dark hair won't catch up with her unless she stops. So if she keeps swimming in a way, she'll feel safe. But when she stops, it's like, whew, watch out. And so um, I'm so glad that you've like, you know, dug into that too, because people can go years and years and years, much longer than, you know, much older than you and I are even right now. Um, and never really address this stuff. And it's just, that really breaks my heart. So it's, um, it's awesome to see that, you know, you've, you've begun that work and even made progress. But uh, I remember my daughter, Lucy, right now, she like is going through this phase where she loves watching the sound of music. 
So oh my goodness. <laughs> she's like all about it. And uh, to those of you who don't know that movie, it's like a movie from, I think it came out in the sixties and um, it's a musical and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little older now, but it, it was, it was a great movie, but she just loves the music and everything. And um, so we've watched it like a million times recently. <laughs> and uh, one of the lines in the movie is um, activity suggests a life filled with purpose. And I think that's so true. I think that's a lot of times how I felt. It's almost like this thing where if I'm really busy, then I've, I feel important. I feel significant. I feel like um, people will respect me. And so uh, that's another component to that busyness as well. So I can relate a lot on that front. But um, man, you went through through so much. And um, I, uh, yeah, again, appreciate you being so vulnerable, so so open to that. Before I hop on, uh, hop further, anything else you want to say about what happened? Well, I guess just to comment on some things you mentioned, one, Sound of Music would recommend, love that. <laughs> and two, yeah, I think the analogy of the woman swimming in the water is very accurate. I've never really heard of that before. But at least for me, like, you know, living in, you know, my parents' houses up until I was 18, and then I went off to college. And it wasn't until I kind of had that quote unquote stop in college where I had, I think, the first opportunity in my life to really be introspective and think about, you know, my upbringing, because this was like the first time I'm actually living on my own. And it really took that for me to realize that, oh, I had been through really difficult things. And that was kind of the catalyst for me to start like getting help and actually starting my healing process. Beautiful. No, that makes so much sense. And I think it's a good lesson to everyone listening, especially who is um, behind you on the path who hasn't gotten to that point yet, if they're still, you know, swimming, if they're still running, kind of escaping those things, um, at a point, it can get really difficult. I remember in college for me too, even high school, but college for me as well, where like, I just, I, I was like, experienced a lot of um, messy emotions is like the best way I could put it into words at the time. It was like, I just felt super broken. I couldn't even tell you like why or what was going on. I knew it was related to just a lot of, you know, what I had gone through in my family, all that trauma. Um, but I didn't fully understand it. So um, I think if you know that's coming, I, I think it is really helpful. And then you can kind of not be surprised when that those struggles happen. And then you can know, okay, I, I'm going to need some help with this. And I'm not weird or strange for experiencing this, given the difficult things I've been through, given the trauma, it's kind of to be expected. It's like if you break your ankle, you know, and then you heal it and go through therapy, and then you start running again, it's like, if you try to run a marathon, you might, you know, feel some pain. That's That's normal. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with all of that. And I think at least for me, it came with like two sides of the same coin, like one, a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom to finally like be myself and live and just have like a routine that I wanted where I wasn't constrained by, you know, all the happenings between going from one house to another factoring in like all these other family things. Um, but two, I think with that freedom came a lot of reflection on, oh, why is it that I finally feel so happy being by myself? And I think a lot of hard emotions with that. Mm. And I think with that transition to college, like one of one of the first things that I did when arriving um, was get involved with my campus's Newman Center. And I feel like honestly, that was where I really started to find like the friends and the people who one brought me closer to Christ, but two actually like sat with me with my feelings that like I didn't even know I had. And it's those friends that more than anything, probably, and my now husband that we, we met at the Newman Center, but um, 
it's those people who really have changed my life and helped me the most through this whole healing process. So good. I'm excited to dig into that more as well. Was there anything else you wanted to add about kind of how your parents divorce, how their broken marriage um, affected you? I think like one of the biggest things, I guess, was this fear that I had that I wouldn't know how to be a good wife or a good mom one day. Quite honestly, I think that was like the biggest thing I was afraid of from probably all of my teenage years. Just like, I'm not going to know how to manage a household or cook dinner properly or take care of kids or have a good, happy, holy relationship with my spouse. Just because like, I had never seen it. Like I had no idea what that looked like. Not only that, but you'd look to TV, you look to many other relationships. Even like my parents' friends had struggling relationships or my friend's parents had struggling relationships and my parents' friends. But it's like, it's very hard to see good examples of what that looks like. Um, And I think from like a young teenager, I'm like, how do I do this in the future? And it wasn't until I really, one, met my now husband and two, saw his parents um, and the good example that they had that I kind of understood that. But no, that fear definitely kept me back from, I feel like a lot of things, like I was very high, like hid myself a lot in a lot of ways. Um, And then also in high school, I feel like it led me to seek out a lot of relationships with other boys that weren't necessarily fruitful. I had two shorter relationships in like my sophomore year of high school. And then another boy and I dated for nearly two years, my junior and senior year. And at the time I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to get married. Like he's a good Catholic. Um, And yet like in retrospect, a lot, like both of us used each other for um, our like emotional needs for attention. Um, It led to like some unchaste things between us and just a lot of use. Um, I think because we were both just yearning for that like love and affection and like affirmation that neither of us were getting from our parents. Totally. And yeah, once I kind of like realized that it was a very hard pill to swallow to realize that this is how my parents' divorce was like actually affecting me. Because I think up until that point, I had convinced myself like, oh no, they're fine. I'm fine. I'm a big girl. Like it doesn't affect me. And then once I really like let myself consider that for a second i was like oh no this actually affects me a lot more than i think it does totally and so many of us have had that experience where like we're going through life and we're like i, I think i'm good like i, I don't you know, I think it really affected me much and then kind of hit you in the face especially the trend we've seen and you've probably seen listening in the podcast is relationships like that's usually the thing that's like man i feel lost i don't know what i'm doing or i'm just like terrified of repeating what my parents had and i certainly don't want that and um, i know when it came to dating for me touching on what you just said um i was so scared lana like i was i was just freaked out i was like i don't know how to go about this i am just afraid the person's like gonna abandon me because i you know didn't want to repeat what i saw in my parents marriage in my own marriage but also i didn't want to repeat that feeling that experience of abandonment and rejection that i experienced when my parents separated and so all of that just felt so scary and so risky that it was like, it's better maybe to just play it safe and just not go down this route and kind of give up on love and relationships and 
um, what happens in that case, like you said so well, and I experienced this too, is if we give up on love and relationships, we just settle for the counterfeit usually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and 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 that never satisfies. So then we have to go deeper into that and look for more and more and more. So I'm I'm right there with you. You mentioned your husband's parents. I want to stay there for a second. Uh, what have you learned from them? I'm just curious because there's a lot of people who find themselves in that same spot that you and I were in, where it's like, yeah, I'm scared. I don't know how to do this. Um, but then again, one of the trends we've seen is when you have those good marriages in your life that it can be a beautiful example and give you hope um it, it goes really far so i'm curious in particular for you from your parent um husband's parents or from other couples you knew like what did you learn yeah so i guess a little bit of context about my husband before jumping into his parents but yeah. we met my freshman year of college and then got married when was it in the middle of our junior year and we're just finishing up or yeah about to graduate after about a year and a half of marriage. And with all that, so especially during the COVID pandemic, uh, since all of our classes were online, uh, we would kind of every couple of weeks move back and forth between staying with his parents and staying with mine. And his parents, uh, his whole family is like very devout Catholic. Uh, he has two older sisters and a younger brother. And his parents are genuinely like the most loving, caring, selfless people that I know. Um, they've been married, I want to say 38 years this year. And you can just tell in like the way they treat each other, the way they treat their kids and their grandkids, they truly, truly respect each other and want what's best for the other person. After I had gotten to know them for, for a little bit, I had learned that there was a point where they actually almost got a divorce themselves. And there were wow. some really rough financial things going on. And they, they actually did plan to divorce once all their kids were 18 and out of the house, which I mean, I thought was impressive that they would still stay together despite practically hating each other just for the sake of their children. Like I'm, I'm getting choked up thinking about that, but just the yeah. sacrifices that they were willing to make for the sake of their kids blows my mind. And yet with that, like, Wow. They say constantly, you know, their relationship is so much stronger now that they have been through that than, you know, than it ever was before going through such a challenge. And I think mm -hmm. it's it's just really, really admirable. Wow. That is super impressive. And I'd be so curious to learn from them too. Maybe we'll have to get them on the podcast. But yeah, I, and the the more I learn about marriage and hear from couples who are like way smarter than, you know, me and the more I realize like those sorts of struggles and kind of getting to that point where you want to quit are pretty normal in a marriage. Some people are scandalized by that because they think marriage is going to be like this fairy tale. But um, I think it again, it's helpful if you can kind of expect like, yeah, at some point things are going to get harder than they are now. And I might want to quit. I might want to walk away. And I think that's really where, that's really where it takes a lot of like virtue, a lot of strength and God's grace too to keep going. And, what they experience too, um, I don't have the research in front of me, but there's a lot of research that says if you if you push through those hard times, if you make those sacrifices, of course, with the exception that there's not like abuse or things like, you know, you might get killed by your spouse or whatever, like that, then you need to get to safety, of course. But if you can push through those difficult times, those annoyances, those frustrations, those, you know, even like you said, hitting each other, perhaps, um, the majority of the time your marriage will actually improve like they saw 
And and that's like really hopeful and beautiful. So a lot of people don't hear that. And again, I don't have the research before me, sorry guys, but I think it's really important to hear because those struggles, they're inevitable. Yeah, definitely. And even just anecdotally, like my mother-in-law has said, she, like so many of her sisters and in-laws and her friends and their marriages have had very severe struggles. Um, And yet with all of them, the ones that have stuck together through that, they're so much happier, so much stronger, so much more devoted to each other after going through that. When Nick and I were doing our marriage prep and like pre-Cana stuff, our sponsor couple detailed some of the struggles that they went through. And I, we both look at them as like just this wonderful epitome of a good Catholic couple and Catholic family. And to know that they chose to get through those struggles together and to choose each other over and over again and to choose their kids over their own like feelings is very admirable to see. And I think for a while it was hurtful, like having known that, that in marriage and in relationships, it is a choice that we can make to stick it out through those hard times. Um, Mm. I feel like coming to that realization led to some resentment with my own parents for, for a bit, just like, why, why couldn't they choose to seek help? Why couldn't they um, choose to consider me and my brother a little bit more um, and how their decisions might affect us. I've since like worked past that, but I think recognizing the power of choice and the ability to persevere is very, very impressive. Yeah, no, I agree. And we, we champion that in other areas of life a ton, right? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. in school or career or sports or, you know, staying fit, whatever. We don't tell people, Oh, just quit and go try something else. It's like, no, we, we tell them like push through, like persevere, be strong, like all that stuff. And we need more of that within our marriage, within marriages for sure. So I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Was there anything else? I guess you've learned, you learned from them in particular that was kind of transformative for you, like aside from just their whole story overall. Yeah. I guess speaking of my father in law in particular. So the, issue that they had led him to have to leave his job and kind of leave his whole entire field that he had worked in for years. Mm -hmm. And as a result, he picked up his sister's dog walking business. Mind Mm -hmm. you, he hates dogs, Um, (laughs) but it, it was the job that he could get at the time. And since then, I mean, he continues every single day of the year, like holidays, weekends, kids, birthdays, everything he goes out there and he walks these dogs and as much as he hates it, he does it every single day without any complaining whatsoever mm-hmm. because he knows he's providing for his family and those that he loves. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll get the old, old like, Oh, out to go like pick up some more dog poop again and like humorous <laughs> things, but never once, once a genuine complaint. And I feel like that, that is just such a gift that he provides to his family. And I, I really admire him for that. And I know my husband does and all of his kids do as well. So yeah, it's very wow. impressive. No, that's so impressive. And I, th- I think that what you're getting at, like this ability to sacrifice, which we can boil it down to like self mastery, right? That's mm-hmm. the core ingredient to a beautiful marriage. That's it. Like, like obviously there's other things too, but I think at its core and at, or the foundation we can say is like, 
if you have that basic virtue, if you have that self-mastery, that ability to like deny yourself to do what's best for the people that you love, you're going to get way further than doing what the culture really suggests, which is like, well, go with your feelings or do whatever you want. Um, that's just going to be a recipe for disaster. Yeah, definitely. And like throwing it back to my high school theology class, to love is to will the good of the other. And that's not to just want to do what's best for the other people, but it's to make those sacrifices when it's hard and to actually get out there and do the things that are better for the other person, even if it's not what you want. And yeah, just like you said, I feel like that is when it really comes down to it, that is what makes or breaks a relationship. So good. Staying on the theme of relationships, you already mentioned, you know, your relationship and in, in high school and some other things. Was there anything else you would add in terms of how your parents' divorce, how the dysfunction at home impacted your ability to relate with other people, especially in your dating relationships and now your marriage? Yeah. Well, I'd say kind of detailed all the dating relationship stuff, but socially, just as an elementary, middle, high school student, I felt it difficult to just relate to my peers in general. I felt that I grew up a lot more quickly than the other kids around me. And because of that, I couldn't quite relate to them in like ways that they could relate to each other. I also just went to a very small school and middle school girls can get very clicky. So I feel like already that like lack of connection combined with all that just made socialization a bit difficult up until high school when things got a bit better. But yeah, it took a lot of like kind of introspection to kind of like reflect and realize that. And then once I did, things started to make a lot more sense. When it comes to my current relationship now with my husband, honestly, I got to say that was one of the biggest things that helped me, one, realize how affected I was by my parents' divorce, and two, helped me start my like healing process. We started dating, honestly, just a couple weeks into my freshman year of college. Um, so as I was going through this big life change um, and all these other just like subconscious emotional changes. Um, I also started to have panic attacks out of nowhere right around this time. And it was really Nick who one helped me through that. Like during my first panic attack, my first instinct was to call him and we weren't even dating yet, but my first instinct was to call him and he ran half a mile across campus to come get me. So if that's not dedication, I don't know what is, but, um, but he would, even if he didn't quite understand why I was feeling the things I was feeling, because his home life growing up was drastically different than mine, without fail, he took the time to sit with me and my emotions, help me process them, because I never processed them before. He helped me understand what it was I was truly looking for in a relationship. I had kind of come to that realization just before meeting him. But he was kind of like the actualization of that. But he has just provided such a safe haven and such a good rock for me as I've been going through this journey the past like four years now. And I'm still going through it. But just without fail, he never fails to show up and help me with whatever it is I'm going through. And he's patient and he's kind and he's loving in just so many different ways. And one, I don't think I'd be the person I am without my parents' divorce. But two, I don't think I'd be the person I am without him as well. Beautiful. Wow. Sounds like an incredible man. And thanks for sharing all that. Yeah, I think it's, again, so hopeful too, especially to people who've maybe 
checked out and given up on love and relationships altogether because it is rough in the dating world. Like, I'm glad I'm not dating today. I'm sorry to all of you out there who are. It's, like, <laughs> it's rough out there, but knowing that there's good men like your your husband is, is super hopeful. And I love the point, like underneath the point that you're making, it's just like this idea that like love can be healing, incredibly healing. And and I found that too, whether it was in my friendships or you know, my dating relationship, even like I was able to date really great girls, like incredibly like virtuous, beautiful women and, uh, and my wife included. And, uh, it can be incredibly healing. And I think when we look at our brokenness, our wounds, the trauma we've endured, I learned this from Dr. Bob Schutz, like at the root of almost every wound is a deprivation of love or a distortion of love. And so naturally it follows that he, you know, to heal those wounds, we need authentic love. And so that's what you're experiencing, which is really, really beautiful. And, you know, you can experience that again in your friendships and your relationship with God, perhaps even in your relationship with your parents, if, if those relationships are healed in time. Um, and, but yeah, in, in a marriage for sure. So it's really, really beautiful to, to see that, that love can be healing, that love can be, um, that can, it can transform you. And uh, not, not in the sense that, you know, your husband's your savior, but in the sense that, he can, you know, see the brokenness, see the wounds, see the messiness, see the imperfections that you have and love you in spite of them. And perhaps even because of them, those moments in my life, Lana, like where people have been like seeing how broken I am and they still love me, that that in itself is just like healing. Yeah, no, I totally agree with all that, Joey. And I think, especially as like a young woman in today's society, it can be just in general, hard to think that there are good quality men out there who actually want to take care of you and love you for who you are um, and not just for what you are. And taking the time to really seek out just high quality people for friends in general, but especially in a dating partner or a spouse, it's definitely worth the wait. Couldn't agree more. When it comes to healing and you know, kind of navigating the pain and the problems that you dealt with in healthy ways. You mentioned some of the unhealthy ways. Um, what were a few things that, again, really helped you heal and really helped you cope or navigate those things in addition to what you already mentioned? Yeah. Ironically, the COVID pandemic, I think, was really helpful with um, all the time, you know, spending time by myself um, and especially with Nick and his family. I think that was a very good opportunity that came out of such a dark time that for everyone, but I think also seeking out therapy and good therapy has been extremely helpful. So shortly after we got married, so I, I had been struggling with my mental health um, with anxiety and depression for, I mean, I want to say years, but I didn't like throughout my childhood, but I don't think I realized that it affected me that much until right around when COVID hit. So about a year ago was when I started seeing a therapist, mostly for just like my mental health, because that's what I thought it was. I was like, oh, I'm just anxious from, you know, not seeing a lot of people because of COVID and I'm depressed because I can't get out and I'm a huge extrovert. And I was like, it, it got to the point that I'm doing, like I'm exercising, sleeping right, doing all the things that should help alleviate that. And the fact that I was still feeling these awful things told me that, Hey, I should probably seek some help. So I did originally just for mental health in general. And then with that therapy, 
we kind of realized that no, a lot of this actually ties back to my parents' divorce and what I went through and how that made me feel, how much of a perfectionist it made me become, how much it made me repress my emotions, how much it made me like put my self-worth in like the things I did because that's when I would get attention from my parents if I like got a trophy or whatever. And all of like the behaviors that my parents had when I was living with them really manifested themselves in how I viewed myself. And thanks to a good therapist that I've seen. And then also another incredible Catholic therapist that my mom and now my mom and I are currently seeing now. I feel like both of that, both of them have helped me just heal and, or at least have the ability to heal with myself. I think at least for me, I'm like being so introspective, just simply taking the time to think about things has been very helpful for me, but you can only really do that effectively if you know what to look for. And it was these wonderful therapists that I had that I think actually helped me with that. And I, I feel like I got lucky with just like getting two great therapists right off the bat. But I remember in high school, I also wanted to seek out a therapist and I tried three different ones and we just didn't click at all. Um, so if anyone is considering therapy, I definitely consider you to keep looking until you do find someone that you connect with. Um, and especially if you're a practicing Catholic, seeking out Catholic therapists. I think there's a website called like mycatholictherapist.com. And I, I definitely recommend that. And I feel like that, other than Nick, is the biggest reason that I've moved through all of my emotions and everything as well as I have. Beautiful. And I think your story of kind of experiencing symptoms and just like knowing the symptoms where it's like, well, I'm sad a lot, I'm depressed, I'm anxious a lot, I'm having these panic attacks, especially when you got to that point. Um, I think that's usually where people realize like, I need some help. And thankfully you sought it out. A lot of times people don't and they just kind of like, find other ways to deal with it. A lot of times they're unhealthy ways, whether it's drinking or, you know, partying or sleeping around or binging on so many different things. So no, that that's beautiful that you sought it out. And then I'm glad that you had, you know, a therapist who was competent enough to see like, these are symptoms of some root cause. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, the root cause in and of itself, because what I've seen a lot, and this is like one critique I have of the psych world. And I know a lot of people have this critique too, is that so often we just manage symptoms and we don't get to the root. And so, that's where, especially in the world of psychiatry, I've heard psychiatrists come out and say, like, our profession is failing people in a lot of ways because we just manage symptoms. And we they, especially in psychiatry, they do it with pills, you know, with mm -hmm. medicine. And I'm not, I'm not against medicine. I think there's a place for it, but it needs to be more in depth and it needs to be used more carefully than just like, oh, you're sad. Here's a pill that will make you not feel sad. It's like, well, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> why are they so sad? Like what's at the root of that? Is there some sort of trauma? Is there, you know, something else going on in their life? And so, um, so that's beautiful that you had someone who was able to point to that. And it sounds like that's been effective. Like it's been helping you as well. Is that still as much of a struggle now, or have you been able to, um, kind of find some relief from the, even those symptoms as well? Yeah, I'd say it started seeking therapy a little over a year ago. And then soon after that, um, started taking an anti-anxiety medication. Because at least physiologically for me, I'm taking care of my body, doing all the like physical things that I need to. Totally. And yet I'm still like unable to breathe, unable to 
sleep properly. So for me, having a medicine was extremely, extremely helpful for me. But I think one of the great things was that both my therapist and my um, psychiatrist suggested that I start taking medicine under the assumption that this is temporary just to get you back to a baseline um, where, you know, you're not shaking like a dog every 10 seconds. Um, Mm. So it's like a gateway to get me to the point where I am able to take care of myself. And that's what it has been. Like I, I'm no longer taking the medication and I'm no longer seeing that original therapist that helped me get on that medication. But what they did both with therapy and with medication was give me the tools and get me stable enough so that I could help myself in other ways and let other people in my life help me in other ways. Um, but no, I definitely, I definitely agree. And I think in today's society, one, it's almost like cool to need antidepressants or something. I student teach middle schoolers right now, and they're constantly talking about how, oh, yes, I'm like going to therapy. And I'm, I'm very glad that they're like getting help that they need. But at the same time, I feel like today's culture glamorizes that when in reality, like you said, medication should not be the end all be all. Like you can't treat the symptoms. You need to treat the root cause. And I'm very thankful that I've had people in my life to help me with that. Totally. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. I'm so glad that, you know, your therapist and everyone treating you like they took a comprehensive approach. And that's what I was trying to get at when I'm talking about medicine. I don't want anyone to think that I'm like against, you know, like in your case, taking the medicine you needed to take like that. It can be such a good thing and so helpful. I know people right now who, you know, without the medication that they are on, it would, they would really, really struggle. And so there's a point to it. And I love the temporary piece. I think that's always ideal if you, if that could be the case where it's like, we're using this as a tool to get me to a better place where I don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad medication exists. Like I've gotten a few surgeries in my life, nothing major, but I'm really glad there, you know, that I had medicine to like manage the pain. It would have been really miserable <laughs> if I didn't mm-hmm. have that medicine. And, you know, again, when people are in like really rough spots, it can be something that can be very effective. No, no argument there. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you too. It's sad to see it as like kind of this blanket approach. And we'll, we'll link to this um, interview. Dr. Peter Atia is a popular doctor who has a podcast and he talks a little bit about this, but he brought on this, um, uh, from what I can tell, like a renowned psychiatrist who practices in New York City. And uh, it was really from him that I learned more about his critiques of his own field of psychiatry and how he was saying, you know, that again, he wasn't like saying that the medication is bad in and of itself, but the way that it's often being used is like, kind of lazy. It's like, oh, we're just going to use it as a blanket to cover this problem. We're not actually getting to the root cause. But if it's used as a component, as a plan, as a part of a you know, more comprehensive approach to to treat someone and help them to, to feel whole again, then uh, yeah, that's great. But the other way can often, what I've seen is actually it leads someone deeper down a hole because it's not you know solving what's underneath the, the surface. So I'm so glad that um, you have those competent people in your life who are helping you and it makes makes total sense to me. Yeah, totally. Though, you know, you're, I'm sure um, you're a work in progress. Um, how have you seen yourself grow and change and transform over the years from, you know, where you were to where you are today? I laugh because I feel like my 14, 15 year old self would not have managed or could not have imagined my life being what it is right now. 
And yet I feel like it's, it's taken the most beautiful and wonderful twists and turns away from what younger me thought. So while in high school, um, you know, as I said, I was like the go-getter, the like captain of everything, doing all the things. And when I came into college, uh, I was originally going to major in biochemistry and I wanted to like go to grad school, get my PhD, do cancer research, like get a Nobel prize one day. Like wow, that, I mean, bit ambitious, but that's what I thought I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I really started this like healing process and all that where I really reflected on, oh, what does God actually want me to do with my life? Because I thought for the longest time, oh, he's given me, you know, this intellect, I should use it. But once I kind of like let him in and tried to listen more to what he wanted me to do, he led me to study secondary education in sciences. So in a few weeks, I'll be graduating to be a middle and high school science teacher, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. So I feel like with that, that was a huge gift from God to one, still let me like follow my passion for science and my love of that, but also to be in a spot where I can be a mentor to these younger kids, uh, especially when they were the age and perhaps going through the things that I went through and to use more of my like empathetic side that I didn't know I had in a career is wonderful. I mean, in addition to that, getting married at 21 in college is not necessarily common (laughs) these days, but oh my gosh, my marriage has been the best thing that has happened in my life. And again, definitely would not have expected that a few years ago. But no, being married to Nick almost a year and a half now has been wonderful. And we have our first little one on the way. Uh, We're expecting this fall. So very, very excited for that. And I think think just the biggest thing in general is how my desires have shifted um, since since this whole healing process. Um, Like before, it used to be so outward focused, again, doing all the things, getting all the recognition. And now it's been so much more focused on, quote unquote, what really matters, um, which to me is family and teaching, you know, our future children to seek out Christ as a Catholic. After graduation, I'll be working as a youth minister and kind of like outreach coordinator at my parish, which, again, not something I would have ever thought I was going to do. And yet I feel so fulfilled doing that and so content in a way that I didn't even think was possible. Like I am so excited to work for my church, to be a mom, to raise a family when just like five or six years ago, I almost didn't see that as a possibility for myself, given my circumstances growing up. I think in general, also when it comes to my parents, I'm a lot closer with my dad now. So he and my stepmom, uh, they've been separated for, I think, two years at this point, but they're getting a divorce now. And as tragic as that is, um, it's also relieving that my dad is getting away from a toxic relationship. And with that freedom, he's been able to connect a lot more with me and my brother. Um, So it's good to kind of have him back. Um, And with my mom, we've had a lot more family difficulties with her, me and my brother as of late. 
But with those difficulties, we've started going to therapy, at least my mom and I have. And again, as difficult and painful as that process has been, it has been pretty healing. And I've seen her grow a lot deeper in her faith as well. So it's been it's been very good to see that. And I think there's still a long way to go in terms of like my healing, the way I think about things and my interactions with my parents. But I feel like I can confidently say, you know, after these like four years of healing and like, I don't want to say soul searching, but like um, seeking out help and letting others into my life to help me with that. We're on like a permanent upward trend and things are really good. And it's good to say that. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks for sharing all that. I appreciate, again, your vulnerability and congrats on the baby. That's so exciting. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Having, being a dad is just, so I, my pretty much my favorite thing in the world, if not my favorite thing in the world. So I'm so excited for for both of you. And it's amazing to see the growth that you've had in your life. And yeah, thinking back to who you were and where you could have ended up to. That's always a humbling thing for me to think of in life. It's like, man, I could have ended up in a really bad spot um, not saying my life is perfect or that there's no struggles, but it's like, man, life could have been really sad and scary. Um, so I'm really grateful that that you, you know, have found that path and have followed it and are still on it. So really, really beautiful. Before we close out, I'm just curious if your parents were listening right now. Yeah, is there anything that you would want to say to them? Anything that you would want them to know? That is a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if they were listening, I'd want them to know that I'm not mad at them. I'm not upset with them. Um, like I don't hold any resentment because I know that is a very common feeling amongst, you know, adult children whose parents were divorced and not that that is a wrong thing to feel or a bad thing to feel, but I'd love for my parents to know that I still love them. And I know that, uh, despite all that I went through, despite their decisions, I still know that they did everything with the intention of loving me and loving my brother. And I think also that as kind of hard, this is to say, I'm very thankful for what I've been through. As painful as it was, I would do it all over again, if it meant me still being the person that I am today. I've had the opportunity to kind of like share my experiences um, with some of my friends as there's their parents were getting divorced. And they were going through messy relationships themselves and things like that. And I truly think that's just the biggest like testimony of how God uses everything. And he doesn't give us things that he doesn't have a purpose for. So for me, I found a lot of comfort in that. And I'd love for my parents to know that. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah. Difficult question, but beautiful answer. Um, if people want to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'd say by email would be great. Um, my email is my name, Alana, A-L-A-N-A-1201 at gmail.com. And yeah, feel free to reach out. I'd love to talk. Awesome. It's been so good having you. Um, two, two final questions. One is, um, I know you found uh, Restored helpful. I'm just curious, like, yeah, how has Restored helped you? Um, I'll start there and then one final question. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing well, one, I actually found Restored when looking at resources for my friend whose parents were getting a divorce and reading all of these stories and hearing from so many people 
who went through similar situations that I did. Simply knowing that I'm not alone, I think, is just the biggest thing. Knowing that I'm not the only one with the feelings that I have, um, with the concerns that I have, with the struggles that I have gone through, um, knowing that there are other people who can relate to me, I think is the biggest thing. And I think that was like the biggest thing that I lacked growing up. Like none of my friends could understand what I went through. No other adults I felt truly quote unquote got me and restored, I think has just been such a big blessing in creating that community and creating that connection uh, between people when I feel like this is such an un unrecognized issue and unrecognized trauma that so many people um, experience. And I feel like Restored has just been an incredible, incredible resource to just connect people and definitely make me feel not alone. Such an honor to serve you. Thank you for um, you know making use of the resources that we have. And I'm so glad they've been been helpful um yeah you're the reason we do it we want to help you want to help your family and help everyone like me who's been through this trauma that you you said well it's like it's not treated as a trauma it's not talked about as a trauma but it certainly is a trauma and there's millions actually mm-hmm. sorry correction tens of millions of people who've been through this and don't get the help that they need and deserve and that's wrong and so we're, we're changing that so thank you for um, for being a part of that coming on the show and in closing, I just want to give you the final word. What words of encouragement, what advice would you give to someone who who feels really stuck, who feels broken in life right now because of that trauma of going through their parents' divorce or dysfunction at home? Yeah, well, real quick, I'd love to just thank you, Joey, and all the work you and your team do to provide restored ministries. It really is incredible. And I guess any words of advice I've had is that you are not defined by the experiences you had because of your parents. Like we, we go through things, we grow through things and yes, we can be very impacted and shaped by the very difficult things that, you know, life throws at us. And yet, even if you feel broken, like I certainly did, I felt like I'd be a failure in any future relationships. I felt like just, so many things were scary and I felt like I couldn't do things because of my experiences with divorced parents. And yet that doesn't go to waste. That doesn't, that doesn't hold you back. Um, And at least for me as a Catholic, God doesn't give us situations that he doesn't equip us to handle. And I feel like relying on God through that. And I feel like he gave me a particular grace to trust him on that has been very comforting and healing, but I'd say regardless of, you know, your belief system or not, every challenge is an opportunity to grow and to use that knowledge for the better. And even if like you don't understand it now, there's certainly a way that you can transform that pain and that suffering and those hurt feelings into a way to help yourself and to help others in the future. There's so many good lessons in Alana's story, but there's one that actually hit me that we didn't discuss much, and I'll share that in a second. But first, if you come from a divorced or broken family, how is your parents' divorce or your broken family affecting you today? It might be trickier to answer that question than it seems. And if your answer is, I don't really know, or you don't understand the depth of it, you're actually not alone. That's very common. But in the words of one therapist, when it comes to experiencing healing, 
naming how you've been harmed is about 70% of the battle. Our new assessment will help you name and diagnose your brokenness so you can heal it at its roots, not just treat the symptoms, and build the life and relationships that you desire. So if you want to become the best version of yourself, find the love, happiness, and freedom you long for, and avoid repeating the cycle of dysfunction and divorce in your own life, then you need to heal. And the first step to healing is naming and diagnosing your wounds. To help you do that, you can take our free, confidential, and research-based assessment. Just go to mybrokenfamily.com. Again, mybrokenfamily.com. Answer the questions there, and then you can view your results. Again, go to mybrokenfamily.com or just click on the link in the show notes. Again, among the many good lessons in Alana's story, this one hit me. Putting the work into healing and becoming healthy and whole actually uncovered her calling in life to education. Another way to say it is the barrier of her untreated brokenness hid her calling in life. And once she began to overcome that barrier of untreated brokenness, untreated trauma, it was unveiled. It's a powerful lesson. So if you feel stuck and unsure about what you should do with your life, perhaps your brokenness is blinding you and you need to begin healing so that you can discover it. If you'd like to share your story with us like Alana did, we'd love to hear it. There's three easy steps to do that. But first, some of the benefits of sharing your story. Reflecting on your story is healing on a neurobiological level. Writing your story is also healing. Studies have shown that people who write about emotionally significant events in their lives are less depressed, less anxious, healthier, and happier. And sharing your story with someone is healing on a neurobiological level as well. And also, sharing your story gives guidance and hope to people who are struggling in similar ways that you are. How do you do that? Well, just go to restoredministry.com slash story. Again, restoredministry.com slash story. The form in that page guides you in telling a short version of your story, and then we'll turn that into an anonymous blog article. So share your story now by going to restoredministry.com slash story, or just click on the link in the show notes. All right, that wraps up this episode. If you know someone who's struggling from their parents' divorce or broken marriage, share this podcast with them. And always remember, you are not alone. We're here to help you feel whole again and break the cycle of dysfunction and divorce in your own life. 